Hello Mzanzi and welcome to episode 168 of Farmers Inside Track. I'm your standing host, Duncan Masua. Leona Archery is back on Farmers Inside Track and this time to focus on the work that she does as the CEO of the Agricultural Development Agency. In an exclusive interview with Dawn Numdu, she talks about how they're changing the face of South African agriculture by partnering with the private sector to develop smallholder farmers in Mzanzi. Leona, it's absolutely amazing to be sitting like face to face opposite each other. I feel like I've built so many relationships over the past few years and to finally meet the people that we've been working with at Woodrow Mzanzi and also part of this Farmers Inside Track community and this broader network. It's so great to have you with us. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's really been great. And yeah, good to meet in person. Yes, After definitely. all of this time. <laughs> definitely. Now, you're the CEO of the Agricultural Development Agency with more than 26 years of experience in the land and agriculture sector. You've obviously seen changes over the years. What would you say is the thing that really stands out for you in terms of growth in the sector, but also in terms of how you've seen a changing farmer to farmer and the development aspect of it? I think most definitely, you know, if you went back many, many years, even when the land reform programs were first being implemented, I think the environment, and the availability of information, all of those things were not readily available to any new entrants into the space. Furthermore, if one looked at the willingness from a private sector perspective to actually say, we need to take hands with government, we need to actually build a new cohort of farmers, was not really there. I think everybody thought we can still continue to do things as we were, continue to move with the commercial farmers, and not worry too much about who's coming into the sector. And I think for me over the years, and I was saying to someone the other day, especially over the last five to seven years, you've seen a major shift in thinking, especially for me from the retail side, from your sort of food service side and your food sector to understand that you have to contain where your product is coming from. You have to control that, but in a way that allows for new people to come into that sector, your new producers to come into the market. I think there's so many opportunities right now because of that, where retailers were not worried about how my product and where it was sourced from. There's a lot of change. And I think a lot of it is also dictated from a consumer's perspective as well, because consumers want to know who's growing my food, where is it coming from, what kind of methods are you using? And I think all of that is put a good pressure on the system, especially for us who work in the developmental sector and want to bring a new cohort of farmers into the system. I think the one thing that you've highlighted in your talk is also the fact that it is specifically changing the game for newly commercialized producers. Some of the farmers that spoke today specifically around financing says they just need that little last push to get them over the line. What are you seeing in the industry in terms of that? For me, that issue of the finance is still something that we have to fully crack. Let's say there's a lot of opportunities that are coming in the space. There's a lot of initiatives that are coming in the space. Uh, But I think it's about how you make sure you are matching the needs of those new commercial farmers that are coming in. How do we make sure that they understand the requirements from someone who's going to provide the finance so that you can match what the financier is wanting and what the farmer is wanting together so that you actually build a sustainable kind of relationship and platform to access that kind of capital in the market space. But I think, again, for me, there's a lot of money out there at the moment. And if we can find ways of consolidating the soft capital a lot more, we would be able to leverage that into the commercial, whether it's commercial banking or other commercial financing systems, you're going to be able to do it. And that's primarily where Agda is now pushing 
and focusing to find that soft capital and consolidate it rather than allowing it to be spent in sort of a disparate way, but bring it together for greater aggregation. The one thing that you also stressed was the fact that farmers and agriculturists and entrepreneurs need to figure out where they want to position themselves. Maybe you can just recap on that. A lot of people, when they're looking at agriculture, they focus their minds only on primary production. But as we've been working over the last 24 to 36 months, we're seeing there's so much of opportunity even on the food service side, as an example, on the logistics side, on the input supply side, where you can actually grow new entrepreneurs and let them contribute still into the agri-sector, but not directly be farmers. Because not everyone's a farmer. It takes a certain kind of passion and a certain kind of person to do that. But it doesn't mean that you can't be involved in agriculture and that you can't contribute to both food security and growth of the agricultural sector in terms of the economy. I think one of the discussions that were happening today was also around transformation. Let's just talk on that for a moment. How do you see it move where we're at now over the next five to 10 years? What is your vision? Well, for me, I think we really need to move. And my vision is definitely to get a lot more young people and a lot more women involved in the sector. I think I'm very encouraged by what we see at the moment with those we engage with. Uh, you know, you're finding a lot of enthusiasm from young women. We're driving a program called Grow to Market, and some of our most successful people are women, uh, and all of our agri-entrepreneurs are youth. But they have a particular energy in them. And I think if we can match that energy, channel that energy in a particular way, give them the right support, you're going to see in the next five years a whole new cohort of young people who've taken up a good place in the farming sector and in commercialization. There's still that big gap that the top level, the more commercialized and everybody playing in the top retail space or the top producer space, there's a lot more to still be done, I think, in that space. And for me, it's about building the blocks now to get them there over the next five years. How do we start making it more aggressive in terms of bridging the gender gaps? And also, maybe we can just talk about where you see it's most acute in the sector. The gender gap is definitely still very big in our sector. I can often walk into a room and it's all male and you'd be the only female talking in that space. It takes us one step back, even as women ourselves in the industry. What platforms are we setting up to empower and make sure that we have other women who feel confident enough to step in those rooms and begin to show our male counterparts, that listen, we are good. We actually understand this industry. We don't have to fight for a space in this industry. We actually are earning our space in this industry. And I think for me, those are the things we need to start doing also, of creating those enabling platforms where we have this conversation. I mean, if one looks even in the financing space, so it's not just about agriculture, remember? So we need financing for agriculture. But when you walk often into those boardrooms or into those places, and you're talking to funders and fund managers, it's normally male. It's normally male-dominated. But I think over the last two years, I'm seeing a lot of women actually taking up their place in that particular space. So I think it's about encouraging our young women and saying these are particular avenues that are open for you that you can go into, and you don't have to feel that you have to drive a particular kind of agenda to get in there. You just have to do what you need to do, basically. One big part and one of the comments from the ministry is around Patient financing. What's your take on that? There's a big need at the moment for patient capital. But I am not necessarily a firm believer in free capital. I think you can use patient capital to blend it into a system so that you actually create a sense of affordability for a period of time. But you need to make sure 
that whatever transaction you put into that system, even if you're using patient capital, is still a sustainable transaction, is still a viable transaction. Otherwise, for me, you are definitely setting people up for failure in the long run because we want people to build businesses that are still going to be standing and have grown over the next 10 years. So we also, as Agda, we're putting together packages with patient capital, but we're also matching them with commercial finance and other finance in the market. But they're not going to go out free. They're going to go out at a much lower kind of rate and us also giving the other supporting mechanisms to make it work. But the transaction has got to be evaluated as a viable transaction. How important is fostering our agricultural heritage? How key is it for growth in the sector? I think it's very important. I mean, if one looks at the moment, right, we have so many young people who are coming out of school, coming out of university, and there's very minimal employment for them at the moment. So I always say you're going to have to create job creators, basically. And I think in the areas that our communities come from, there is so much opportunity around agriculture. So if we begin to get them to understand the economic advantage of using the land, then you begin to get them more involved in agriculture. And yes, it's a very big heritage, I think, of many of our communities. Even myself, Indian communities who came into South Africa came in to work in the sugarcane fields of the country. I always say to my kids as well, you need to go back to understand what you can do with the land. It's not simply thinking, I live in the city and therefore I have to find a job in the city. There's a lot more that can happen. Connect back to the land, connect to what it can do for you. Interestingly enough, most of the people that we are working with right now, your agri-entrepreneurs and even your other entrepreneurs involved in business, they are young people who are seeing the benefit of getting involved in the agri-sector. So I think that's a good thing for me. And I think it's something that our young people are beginning to reconnect better with. Maybe just the last and final message, advice for farmers, just listening to this podcast, all the young farmers at the Sindaba, what would your message be? It's about having the passion, about believing that you can do this. We have a young man in the program and he was saying to me yesterday, he started off in his backyard garden, but already he is now doing enough spinach and he's even planted onion and all kinds of things that he's harvesting and selling to vendors in his area. So just keep driving. Doesn't matter. You come against hurdles. All of us have obstacles that we face in life, but have the faith and believe that you can achieve and you will. Thanks, Dawn. And thank you, Leona Archery. She's, of course, the CEO of the Agricultural Development Agency. Now, as you know, once a week, we meet the amazing women selected for the Coteva Women Agripreneur Program. Of course, this is a year-long blended development program at the Gordon Institute of Business Science Entrepreneurship Development Academy. Our hashtag soil sister, Zanele Tambu, switched careers from banking to farming. And today, she works in three spheres in agri, commodity trading, aggregation, and farming. Talk about breaking the glass ceiling. What a dynamic play in the agri space. She joins us to tell us more about her amazing journey in the sector. My background is in banking. I've worked as an international trade specialist for all four major banks, looking after the top 250 clients in the corporate investment banking sector of all the banks. My role was to assist clients who are trading outside of South Africa in terms of the products that they would use, the types of payment, about foreign exchange, about the regulations of the Reserve Bank, just to safeguard the balance of payment of the country so that we know that the flow of funds and the flow of goods always balances that we keep the, the trade book or the trade deficit or trade surplus in check. 
So how I came about what I do, I'm doing all three spheres within my business model, which is a, in commodity trading, in aggregation, and also as a farmer. So the commodity trading space, it is where I identify a market outside of South Africa for suppliers of products or for buyers of products. So I will link an importer and an exporter with a agricultural commodity that is in need that we can trade on. Then on the aggregation space, it is looking for giving value to farmers. What I've noticed that in the aggregation sector is that you'll find a company that is collecting commodities into one space, but giving value, the least value of the least amount of money to farmers who then along the value chain when the products are being processed, they end up not being profitable, but the end user or the end buyer becomes profitable. So that is on the aggregation side where I saw a need to make sure that farmers are paid dividends that are not even equal, but that are just profitable for their operations. And then on the farming side, it is my passion that I grew up in raised by my grandfather during school holidays. My parents will just ship us to the farm during the school holidays. We'll leave Johannesburg and go to the Northwest and spend our days there. Each morning, I would wake up with my grandfather to go onto the farm, either with just to go and weed or just to go and water the plants or whatever crop that he would have grown. And that is where my passion for farming comes in. And also for myself to understand that what does it take for a farmer the investment in finance, the investment in time, in labor, the implement, the fertilizer that has to go onto the ground or even the seeds. So that when I am moving along my value chain, according to my business model, I'm able to relate to what farmers go through, able to negotiate with the aggregators a fee or an amount that is equitable for the work that the farmers put in. And obviously, when there are opportunities outside of South Africa, that is where the commodity trading comes in, where I can find a market or a product that is in demand outside of South Africa that we can export. Zanele also talks about what drives her and her long-term goals in the sector. My long-term goal is not to be a beggar. My long-term goal is how about I build my own milling facility for black farmers who would bring in their maize will bring in their wheat and we mill flour, we mill maize, we package it, we sell it. Ace and Iwisa are big because there's always been infrastructure for them that was supplied by either the land bank. And the unfortunate thing about government is that they don't see long-term plans for industry players like us who are emerging. There are already premier foods, your famous brands that are hogging the market. The JSE listed, they can never be shaken. But for me, it is that dream that one day I will have my own milling company. One day we will have all these farmers who are growing their crops, bringing it to a facility. We will process, we will repackage, and we will sell to our communities. Thanks for joining us, Zanele Tambu. You can, of course, read more about her farming business on www.foodformzanzi.co.za. And that's a wrap from me, Duncan Masiwa, our producer, Megan Funderfent, and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi. Have a great week. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans, though, right? 
We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.